0: All right, good morning, everyone. We'll get started here. Um, If You'll turn with me in your Bibles to the second chapter of the book of Romans. Yay, we moved. We got out of chapter one by the end of September. (laughs) We're going to go significantly faster now. Yeah, when we get to chapter 11 and I do an entire lesson on the word, oh, you can stop me then. No. Or uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones was famous for preaching a sermon, and he did it like multiple times on two words, but God. <laughs> that was his text. <laughs> Gospel in a nutshell, but God. Um, all right, well, let me uh, open our time together uh, in a word of prayer. Let's pray. Gracious God, uh, even though we we laugh, it is true that um, we could uh, study uh, your word uh, one word at a time and rejoice in the depth of each word. Um, uh, As you, as Paul says in chapter 11, oh, um, oh the riches of your glory and your grace and your wisdom. Um, As uh, you As In Ephesians, Paul says, but God, um, to describe how you have broken in to our sinful world, that uh, we would be doomed to destruction, if not for your intervention on our behalf, um, giving dead sinners life. So we do um, come uh, with great joy um, of your goodness and your grace. Uh, we thank you for the words of Paul that in this letter that he wrote to the Romans, and even as we think about the passage, um, and we'll be talking about a passage today where uh, he talks about um, the uh, impartiality of your judgment, and that you will uh, assess uh, every person by what they've done, um, and we uh, come uh, before you knowing that um, we stand condemned uh, before you, uh, that uh, no one has done good. Uh, None are justified by the works of the law. And so we come um, only in the hope of our Savior Jesus Christ and the hope in his righteousness that comes through faith in him by the work of your saving grace in us. Lord, we thank you um, for your spirit, that it um, teaches us uh, not just uh, external things, but that it works internal change in our heart. And so we do pray that as we read this uh, word of Paul this morning, that um, you would search out our own uh, sinfulness, uh, our own self-righteousness, our own um, judgmental and moralistic hearts, um, exposing those things to light, that we uh, can see the the goodness and light of your grace show us uh, who we are and then transform us by your gospel. And that's our hope, uh, that your word will continue to do that transforming work uh, in us. And so uh, we pray that uh, you would circumcise our hearts uh, and that your spirit would dwell richly with us this morning. As we discuss your word to us, teach us uh, in Christ by your spirit, we pray. Amen. All right, so as we turn to chapter 2, we are continuing in the first major um, teaching section of the book of Romans. We started this last week. Um, It's a section that starts in in verse 18 of chapter 1 and will run uh, through verse 20 of chapter 3. And in this section... Um, introductory section, or first section uh, of the book of Romans, Um, the purpose is Paul is arguing that God's righteousness must come to humans by faith because no one possesses self-righteousness. Instead, all have sinned, all have fallen short of the glory of God. And Paul is building to this concluding statement in uh, chapter 3, verse 20 For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. So last week, um, Paul uh, began this exposure of human sinfulness by revealing the wrath of God uh, against rebellious wickedness of the human heart, which, although it recognizes the truth of God's glory and power and creation, uh, chooses to worship the creation rather than the creator, exchanging the truth for a lie. And and then we saw last week that this human idolatry um, then issues forth in all manner of immoralities uh, as our rejection of God and his righteous boundaries lead us to trample over one another. And when we talked about Paul presents this very bleak portrait of the downward spiral of sinfulness. So in chapter two, um, Paul shifts. Uh, the The pronoun he has been using and at the end of chapter one was they them third person plural um, now he turns and points the finger at you <laughs> um, uh, it 's a first person singular or second person singular pronoun uh, is what dominates um, in chapter two um, so it it 's as if paul uh, is is turning to you as he's listed these vices of them their sinfulness their deserving death and and you're sitting there grinning and smiling and nodding your head and saying yeah give it to them Paul they deserve it and then he turns and says and you <laughs> um, uh, it's not just they will undergo judgment, Paul will tell us in chapter 2, but you will be judged too by the same exacting standard of God's law. It's not just people without special revelation, as we talked about last week, people stand condemned before God just on the basis of God's naturally revealed self. Um, This week he's addressing people who have God's special revelation, people who have the law, um, and that they too are doomed to death without Christ. So with that uh, said, let me read for us uh, Romans chapter 2, and I'm actually going to read the last verse of um, chapter 1 just because he starts chapter 2 with another one of these therefores. Um, Though they know God's decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them but give approval to those who practice them. that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first, and also the Greek. For God shows no partiality. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified." For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. On that day, when according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. But if you call yourself a Jew, And rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve what is excellent because you are instructed from the law. And if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? But if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you, who have the written code and circumcision, but break the law. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the Spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. Thus far, the reading of God's holy word. May he bless it um, uh, to our hearts and wills as we discuss it this morning. All right, so uh, as I noted in my little introduction, Paul um, shifts. Uh, the terms of the address from they to you. Um, so, who exactly is Paul talking to in the beginning of chapter two? Um, who 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 is he addressing? Um, and maybe if we don't can't name a specific person, uh, what are the characteristics of the person he's addressing? All of us who wag our finger. W well, why do you say that's um, as uh, as we you know discussed here briefly, those who uh judge those who uh make this assessment on someone else uh yet as he describes a lot of times we're no different Yeah, so it's it's not it's simply the act of judging that's the problem. It's the act of judging while blind to one's own sinfulness. It's the, you know, the way Jesus talks about the the person who goes to remove the speck from his brother's eye while they've got a beam in their own. It's that kind of uh, attitude as much as it is an action. So, you know, it's, it's not just, you know, the, you know, or wagging the finger isn't just an external action, it's what that external action says about our heart. Good, what else do we learn about who you is? Because it is singular, <laughs> it's weird to say, yeah Ronnie. Yeah that you know and and people kind of like you know the big discussion is is the this cuz the second half of the chapter is clearly referring to Jews um and so Paul is signaling them out as people who possess the law and who possess circumcision these gifts of God and yet they think because they possess those things that they're going to be excused from judgment um and and the debate is, because he's not using Jews specifically in the first part, um, is he addressing specifically the Jews or is he addressing just people generally who wag the, the finger? So um, there's a lot of debate. I think, it, as, as your note says, I, I think he is kind of turning to the Jews here um, because especially coming off a list of Gentile vices, you can see the Jew nodding his head, um, wagging the finger, saying, yes, those Gentiles need to be um, condemned. They deserve to die. They deserve the punishment of God. And what Paul is, is in a sense setting them up that they're not realizing that they are held to the same standard, um, like a key theme um, in this ch- um, chapter is God shows no partiality in judgment. Um, you know, it's like the, um, the the kid who thinks their parent is the coach that, you know, they're gonna get to pitch and <laughs> uh, they're gonna get the 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 excuse from running laps and like that they get some special treatment because of their relationship to the coach. That they're they're going to be held to a different standard, or they're not going to be subject to the same kind of rigorous evaluation as everyone else. And what Paul is doing, and in a sense, he he has um, kind of set the reader up, like um, both the Jews specifically, but I think all of us. Like so, I I, I think you can read it either way. It's Jews, but it, we all, as Scott said, have this wagging the finger like and we're not um just because we seem more moral than someone else doesn't mean we're any less subject to the to God's exacting standards of judgment um I, I think it's any, anyone who is that, that self-righteousness and that they think that, I mean, if, if last week Paul was exposing human sinfulness, this week he's exposing human self-righteousness. It's the people who, who judge and think of themselves as better than everyone else. Like, like the, the, when um, Jesus talks about the Pharisee, I think it's in Luke 18, And the Pharisee goes to the temple and says, thank God I'm not like these people. (laughs) Um, I'm not a sinner. I'm not like that tax collector over there, you know, um, and is doing the God is really uh, happy that I'm on his side kind of thing Um, and is exposing his his self-righteous, unbelieving heart. And that's the point of Jesus' parable there, the tax collector who, you know, this Pharisee is saying, "Thank God I'm not like him," is the one who is repentant and weeping for his sin, and in and, and the end of this parable is Jesus like, "Who do you think is the one who is right before God? Um, it's the repentant sinner, um, not the unrepentant, self-righteous person. Um, or another way to think about it, um, uh, Tim Keller. Uh, talks about the relationship between Chapter One and Chapter Two, like the parable of the prodigal son um, Chapter one is is dealing with the prodigal who goes out and 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 wastes you know everything and and on sinful immorality and chapter two is is addressing the older brother who you know is not rejoicing at the recovery of his you know, like his own self-righteousness, he thinks he himself better than his brother and deserving more of his father's love and mercy because he didn't do those things. Um, so it's that kind of, he, he, he wants to catch you both, uh, both the explicit sinner and the, the, the self-righteous. Yeah, Tim. No, I mean, he's building to chapter three like no one like it's like God's judgment is we all stand under God's judgment. Like there isn't a category of people out there that have some alternate way to avoid the wrath of God other than Jesus. And that's his point here. It's like, even the people who don't think they're guilty of those sins are guilty of those sins. It's like, like, you know, I, I, I didn't murder anyone on Thursday. Um, but how many people <laughs> did I, like, wish to kill on my way to work? Quite a few. Uh, y'all are, are learning a lot about my attitudes during my commute. I need to go back to the train <laughs> for lots of reasons. <laughs> right, yeah, then I can just hate them. Why is this person intruding on my space? Um, uh, yeah, I, I won't have the buffer of a car separating me. Um, so, yeah, that, I guess the train won't protect me from my own sinful heart. And that's and the way that Jesus, you know, in the Sermon on the Mount, like, internalizes the law. Like, you know, yeah, maybe you haven't murdered anybody, but how many people have you hated in your heart? Like the way uh, Pastor McGuire used to say, "I'm a serial murderer." Like, n- no, I I haven't done the Jeffrey Dahmer thing and and killed people outwardly, but I'm murdering people in my heart all the time, and it's that attitude of, uh, and and in this case, in a sense, the murder is those people deserve to die, and not saying that. I'm one of those people, Um, like that, it's like taking a glee in other people's standing under righteous judgment when we ourselves are guilty of the same thing. Um, And for any of you, like like with siblings, like I I think, you you know, you've experienced this, like the glee of one of your brothers and sisters being punished, (laughs) yes. Finally, Helen got caught um, for doing the exact same things you, you were doing, and often doing at the same time <laughs> and uh, they got caught, and you you know parents missed you doing the crime, and somebody else is doing the time, and yet you're still taking glee in the fact that like pats in timeout and time out, and I 'm not. Um, I had a weird experience yesterday. I realized my younger brother turned 46 yesterday. I'm I'm like, I can't have a, a, a younger brother who's closing in on fifty. Um what does that say about me? Um but but yeah, it, it's it's we we all stand com- condemned at the end of chapter one, but not everybody thinks we do. Um you know, like and especially um which goes back to Ronnie like the the Jews would listen to a catalog of gentile sinfulness and think that because we are part of God's covenant people we are not under the same judgment guilt wrath as they are and and he's trying to like level the field here like nope God judges everyone impartially and by that standard you know as we get to to Chapter three, um, no one does good, zero. All have, have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Um, but he's he's doing it in chapter one by kind of exposing open, outward sinfulness. And in chapter two, he's getting at that inward self-righteousness that's keeping us from realizing that we're under judgment. I didn't know that, but, but, but yeah, I mean, it, again, it's this, you know, b- blaming of others. Um, thinking oneself is in this position of being able to exercise judgment, destruction, of other people, taking glee in that judgment, mm-hmm. rather than seeing themselves as exhibiting the exact same um, sinfulness, uh, the exact same, um, like again, like it's the way that things we do, are traits that we have, those same traits annoy us in other people, <laughs> um, you know, and it, it's, we, we're we often blind to it, like, ah, oh, I can't believe that person does that, and like, you know, that's why we have spouses. You do that all the time, <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, you know, we, we need this, you know, why we exist in community. We need brothers and sisters to, um, to reveal to ourselves when those blind spots, those aspects of our sinfulness that we have a tendency to overlook and to excuse. um that's a good question and that's as we kind of see the chapter unfold or unfold um and the flow he's going to specifically get to like circumcision you know at, at the end like there he's addressing the ritual um it, at the beginning he's it's almost like as as he he says in, um uh um verse 13 for it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. So there's this sense. Um, people um, have termed it um, covenantal gnomism. I, I hate jargon. Um, but, but the idea is that because it's this belief that characterizes um, particularly intertestamental Judaism, the, the belief that they have the law, just possessing the law makes them better and excuses them in ways that other people. It's, it's basically this idea that they, they're held to a different standard of judgment because they're the people of God. Um, and the same thing, like, um, oh, I wrote down this one quote by a later rabbi. Um, uh, oh, or I thought I did. Um, oh, a later rabbi, um, Said this was helpful because in, in my computer because it, it 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 Gehenna didn't pass spell check, <laughs> um, but but basically the this Jewish rabbi said no one who's circumcised goes to hell, like so it's just sort of like the fact that you are circumcised, the fact you're a part of God's covenant people means you're going to be judged in a different manner. Um, so so a lot of scholars think Paul is addressing this specific attitude in the Judaism of his day that um, they think because they have the law, because they they're God's chosen people that they're held to a different standard again it's like the coach's son like you know or daughter who's on the team, or the teacher, like oh. Syllabus for, for, I'm in my dad's class. I don't have to do this stuff on the syllabus, and I don't have to turn my homework in on, on time. And, and, like, it's that kind of attitude that because they have a special relationship with God, and Paul's going to say they do, like, and, and that's why he keeps saying the Jew first. Like, there is a, in a sense, a privileged position of being the people of God. They have received the law. They have received the blessings of God's covenant. But that doesn't mean they're held to a different standard. And and that's like the big theme of this chapter is God's judgment is impartial. Um, And his judgment is based on what people do, not who they are. Um, uh, Which is actually my next question. So... Paul um, has said in chapter one, the righteous shall live by faith. So what does he mean when he says here uh, in verse six, he will render to each one according to his works? Or um, it's verse 13, for it's not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. So is Paul contradicting himself? What What's the focus on works uh, in this chapter yeah that that they're looking at it as the 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 you know right that that um and the idea here is like you know, how do you know the apple tree is alive by the apples? <laughs> um, that's the fruit the apples don't give the tree life. And so, yeah. So, its works are the the fruit, rather than the root. So, it's judgment on the basis of works. It's not salvation on the basis of works. And, and notice that, like, he's not using salvific language in this text. He's using judgment language. So, God will. When we stand before God, we will be judged on this basis of the fruit. Um yes, so and, and that's getting into like the you know how we view Christians or to view works, like um and in Paul's bigger argument, salvation is by faith alone, but faith is never alone, like you know, it's that kind of idea, and, and he'll get there, like, we got to put the you know cart before the horse, like you know, uh or the yeah you know, other way, horse before the cart. Um, you know, it's it's salvation comes by faith. Faith will produce the fruit of works. Good, what else is he saying here about works? Because notice here, like, there is no, um, uh, as one commentator said, it's like Sherlock Holmes' dog here. Have, y- have y'all heard that one? Like, the, there's this, in one of Sherlock Holmes' story, um he he asked the question of the police. What 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 about the dog, the dog's bark? They're like the dog didn't bark exactly. <laughs> um, you know it's you know faith is the dog's bark in this chapter. It's not it's not there. <laughs> um, uh, he's getting there. Um, in this chapter, he's establishing the standard by which human conduct will be evaluated. And that standard is outward objective evidence of what you've done, works. And if that doesn't scare you, <laughs> then you're, you're not taking this seriously.
1: like when the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and he says, "Well, what should I do?" And Jesus, "You know what to do. Right? You've got the law." And he goes, "Yeah, but I've, I've done all those things." And you can almost see everybody else like rolling their eyes like, "Yeah, I you know. <laughs> Yeah,
0: absolutely. Like this and, and as you say, this he's establishing the standard. Like this is what you know God requires. And he hasn't amended the requirements for one group of people versus another. Like it's the standard is impartial. The Gentiles will be judged by the same standard as the Jew. The person who possesses the law will be judged by the same standard as the person who doesn't possess the law. We are all under the the same standard um that God has established and every single one of us fails to meet it uh, you know it's it's like if um oh maybe somebody's completed it now but like there's some Japanese TV show that has like this insane obstacle course that no one in the history of the show has ever completed and they're not making it easier so like you know, like they haven't weakened the standard, oh, well, let, let's make it easier so somebody can actually complete it. No, that's the point, like <laughs> it, it's this insane um, test of a person's physical uh, ability and no one can do it like um, because of our sinfulness, like none of us is gonna get there. But that doesn't mean the standard the problem's not with the standard, the problem's with us god's standard is there, and it's fair and it's impartial and it's perfect and it's just and the law is good, but the law exposes our sinfulness and shows that none of us can do it um, and, and that, as you say, is the the big argument that he's he's taking here, so You know, we can't, like, well, see here he's saying, like, you know, it's works, not faith. No, works is the standard and has always been the the standard. We need a perfect righteousness to stand in God's presence. We need perfect obedience. And who has it? None of us. Nobody. Um, And we have to do away with the idea that, oh, well, you know, I've undergone circumcision, or I've been baptized, or I have, I've sat in church and listened to the word of God every Sunday um, since I was 18 years old. Um, And so, therefore, you know, I'm going to be held to a different standard, or God's going to grade me on some kind of curve. Um, And, you know, on the whole, I'm a pretty good person. Like, it, no, <laughs> and, and part of what keeps us from God, you know, is our sinfulness, but Paul's also saying part of what keeps us from the grace of God is our self-righteousness. Um, it's why Paul in Philippians is like, you know, I had all these great things. I was born a Jew of the tribe of Benjamin, circumcised on the eighth day, um, zealous for the law, a Pharisee, all that, it's rubbish, Compared to the surpassing grace of God, all that stuff was the very things that he was so proud of were the very things keeping him from jesus um, and it 's not until the moment he 's confronted with Jesus that he sees himself the way that that God sees himself sees him um, you know and and that 's you know like again we we need to be exposed by the Word of God we need to be uh, Our sinfulness as well as our self-righteousness need to be brought into the open um, so we can see uh, I really need this gospel. I really need this grace. I can't remember who it was. It was a 19th century, I think it was a Church of England minister, said, you know, I want to see two things. I want to see a list of all my sins. And then I want to see what God did to, to, to pay for that um, and to see the righteousness that God credits through to me because, um, because of Christ's work and Christ's righteousness. Um, but like we, we can't appreciate the one until we see the other. Like, and again, we have to understand we stand under a perfectly right, judgment of God we don't have any kind of special privilege or place um, in and of ourselves because of who we are in ourselves that are going to um, excuse us from these things like no we're judged on the basis of what we've done and on the basis of what we've done as Paul's going to get to in chapter 3 we all stand condemned So um yeah, th- this is I, I've I've said I am trying to be better this year on application. So how like so he, he's exposing this idea of um a moralistic hypocrisy on the part of the Jews. How how can we or how do we suffer from the same moralism, the same kind of blind hypocrisy? that leads us to condemning sin and others, but not in ourselves. Am I the only one who struggles with this? (laughs) Yes, Scott. yeah that god's patience, god's long suffering, that God is not giving me instantly what I deserve, and we take it rather than using god's mercy as as Paul says to lead us to repentance, we, we we use it to kind of build up our own sense of comfort and ease. I mean, you can think of like again, like the history of the Jewish nation that God was so patient with them time and time again, and rather than learning from it, they continued in their idolatrous ways. Like, And I think it's that kind of attitude that he's condemning here. And the way that we can get because um, we're not experiencing um, immediate wrath, uh, immediate judgment, we can get all too comfortable and all too cozy with our sinful actions. yeah that we we fall into this like and it's the way like as as my campus minister used to say like our attitude any time we see someone being punished is to say to ourselves there but for the grace of a god go i like if it's not the only thing that's keeping me from making the front page of you know whatever tabloid and tabloids are great um for Discovering the range of human and sinfulness, like um, the creative ways <laughs> um, human beings sin, rather than relishing in punishment or judgment. Boy, that person's getting what they deserved. To to you know, like again, because the judgment it's it's not saying that um, it's not calling into question the character of the judgment. Like if the judgment is is right, like. Like, I mean, we can rightly say someone else is doing something wrong. It's the attitude, you know. Are we saying it in a way that makes us, you know, rather than being concerned for the standard, we're concerned about building ourselves up. Boy, I'm glad I'm not like them. Like, again, that Pharisee that Jesus talks about. Thank God I am not like other men. Um that I'm not, like that tax collector over there, like that's the attitude that Paul wants to expose. And it's the attitude it's so easy to fall into. Like to, to like, you know, to pat ourselves on the back and be like, God is, you know, lucky to have me on his team. um, Cause I'm not like that guy over there. And, and you know, for me, like, um, I often say, I, I don't know what y'all get out of Sunday school, but I get convicted every week. Like, um, you know, but like verse 21, you who teach others, do you not teach yourself? Like, and I hope you realize I'm not standing up here like pointing the finger at you. I'm like, this is like hammering me. Um, you know that that this idea of you have to be in this position of constant awareness of your sinfulness and your lack of deserving anything. Um, And if you don't have that, that attitude, that's when problems start to arise. Like I often say, like the point where I start feeling comfortable about my spiritual standing is often the Like, I'm on the precipice of falling into some sin, like, because I think, ah, you know, I'm doing great, Uh, you know, moving along on my own strength, And, and that's when, you know, it smacks me, and, you know, that I am a sinner, and God exposes me graciously to who I really am. Yeah, Bill. He doesn't really say that Jane, does he? <laughs> um but yeah, just like we're just like, you know, Adam in the garden, you know? Uh it, it was, you know, you you gave me this what she did it, like, you know, or you did it by implication by putting her in my life. Like, you know, we 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 come up with a curve or we come up with excuses like to to you know, like, well, You know, it wasn't really bad. (laughs) Um, I only sinned a little. Um, You know, it was only a little uh, theft. It wasn't a big theft. It's not like I stole a million dollars. I just, I I remember the first thing I ever stole um, because my mother made me take it back. It was like I was like three and I picked up a ball in the grocery store and like got in the car and my mom's like, where'd you get that ball? (laughs) Oh, I picked it up in the store, and like you know, march me back in, get the store manager. <laughs> um, you know, but for my, it's a little ball. Like, what's the big deal? <laughs> yeah, that and that's what we like. We we come up with well, you know, uh, I I only broke one of them, um, uh, and. Rather than, uh, to go back to what Pastor Kerr was saying, like rather than seeing the standard from God's perspective and God's standard is perfect righteousness and in our works, none of us do it. Yeah,
1: So when we when we recognize.
0: Yeah, we have to keep, again, chapter 1, verses 16 and 17 always in our mind. And, like, again, he's, he's making this argument, but we can't forget. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith if we forget that as you say we are we're either driven to complacency or anxiety like we get too comfortable with our sin and therefore don't do anything with it or we get so anxious about our sin that we have as you say have no assurance and that's the second part is where Luther was when he had his great Romans transforming movement. like Luther had no problem agreeing with the expose of human sinfulness. He drove his confessor monk crazy. <laughs> like, literally, we have Stapitz's writing, like, this monk, L- Luther, is, is driving me nuts. <laughs> like, he, he comes to me, and he wants to confess his sins constantly. And and that's where Luther was. Like he was so anxious that there was some sin that he hasn't con- hadn't confessed, that he wasn't dealing with, and he was going to be held to eternal judgment because of that because he wasn't seeing the righteousness that comes through faith. And and when it's at when he has that aha moment, then like, like his sin is in its place. Um and, and what's what really needs to be in place, Christ, becomes the, the focus, turning our eyes from ourselves to turning our eyes to the one we hope in. Yeah, Mike. Yeah, and it's the connection between faith and repentance. It's like, as one of my systematic theology professors used to say, it's like faith and repentance go together. Like faith, repentance—it's like two sides of a penny. Like you—you you, you don't have a one-sided penny. <laughs> like uh, a penny always has two sides. Maybe one side's blank, but it still has two sides. Like you know, and faith and repentance always go together. Um, and and you know. And that's how our lives should be characterized because it it demonstrates, like, uh, um, you know, uh, it demonstrates what's in our heart, like, and, and throughout this, but because of your heart and an impenitent heart, you're storing up wrath for yourself, but a Jew is one inwardly and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter, like, so and he's going to deal with the objection. Well, then if I, I'm under grace, I can just keep on sinning. And he's like, you know, and Paul has he's got this like, great verbal expression that is like, you know, like, <laughs> I, I think like. By no means, like really. <laughs> um that no. <laughs> By no means, like, does that mean because we have grace, then that means we can keep sinning, so uh, you know, God's grace will abound even more. You haven't gotten it. <laughs> um you know, so he's gonna again, like thinking about uh, the great thing about Romans is all these questions that we come up, you know, with um like, well, so, Paul, you're saying we're all under judgment, so does that mean being a Jew is to, of no avail? No. <laughs> does that mean the Jew is uh, in a better position? Uh, no. <laughs> like, he, he keeps like, well, so you say this, like, so there's a great kind of rhetorical aspect of like, he, he anticipates our questions and objections and and leads us back to this gospel message. Yeah, Teresa. Yeah, and faith, yeah, because we're not going to repent to get, we don't, can't repent to get faith, um, but our faith always expresses itself in repentance. Like, you know, again, He, he's giving us the grace to repent. Like It's like to think of repentance as an, something we're able to do, but it's not in a, something I naturally possess. Just like faith, it's a gift of God. Like, you know, faith is, God is giving me the grace to enable me to believe. God has given me the grace to enable me to turn away from sin. Because left to myself, I'm like the dog returning to his vomit. Like you know, keep going, doing the same thing. Like, there is no transforming power in and of myself. The transformation comes from the gospel of God doing its work in me. Um, And in this life, as Paul will tell us, you know, that that work is never fully accomplished. Um, You know, it There's a work of justification and then there's an ongoing work of sanctification. And one day there's a perfection and a glorification. Um, It's all part of this process of God transforming us from the sinners we are and the self-righteous people we are in chapters one and two to the glorified saints that we'll see in chapter eight. But how do we get from point A to point B by the work of God, working righteousness in us through faith in Jesus Christ. Um, well, we're at time, so let me uh, close this in prayer. And we'll um, we'll take up the latter part of the chapter, the circumcision part, because he's going to deal with circumcision um, at the beginning of chapter three as well. So next week, we'll pick up this que- question of the value of circumcision and how that fits into Paul's argument. Um, but let's pray. Gracious God, we do thank you for your gospel um, because it is good news Um, because we uh, left to ourselves can become complacent to sin or we could become overly anxious about our sinfulness and and both things are missing the point um, of your work on our behalf. So help us see our sin, but help us see our sin not to stay and a vision of ourselves uh, as sinners, but to seek the assurance that comes through the trust and the full and finished work of Jesus Christ. Help us uh, seek him and his grace and gospel each and every day because um, we need uh, to live lives of faith. Um, You have given us faith, not to start us in our Christian life, but you've given us uh, faith For a life of faith, um, a life of constant belief and trust in you, which will lead to repentance for our sin and to seek to put on uh, the fruit of obedience that comes from faith. Um, Help us uh, see ourselves standing under your right judgment, but help, um, help us see how our judge has stood in the place and taken the punishment that we've deserved, and even more, clothed us with his own righteousness. Help us uh, see our Savior, Jesus Christ, and trust in him and live for him by your spirit. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen.